uh, three weeks, and each week we're taking one aspect of the gospel, of what it means to be the church, to be part of God's community, and to see its implications for how we do life together. Uh, So before we start, how about I pray and we'll get started. Father, we thank you that we can gather in your name this morning. Thank you that we can look at your word. Lord, I have nothing unless you speak this morning. So would um, would you speak and would you open our hearts to hear what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. What do people think of church? I had an assignment recently, and the, the, the assignment was you had to write an email to a fictitious friend and, and, and say, it, the assignment was assuming that this friend was saying, Jesus, yes, I'm, I'm cool with Jesus, but church, mm, no. And I think a lot of people are like that. A lot of people are, Jesus, cool, I'm happy with Jesus, but church, mm, Boring, irrelevant, unwelcoming, traditional, all about rules, stuck in the mud, serious. But then, on the other hand, so we have on one hand people's perceptions, church is boring, serious, don't like it. On the other hand, we have Jesus' calling to us, which is, Jesus promises every time we gather as a community, Jesus is in our midst. He promises that when we gather we, we experience how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. We, we encounter His love, His peace, His joy. It's supposed to be a place, church is a place where we belong as family. And so on one hand, we have people's opinions. On the other hand, we have Jesus' calling. And often our experience is somewhere in the middle. How should we think of church? And to answer that, I want to take a slightly different tack and... Uh, If you come with me to Luke 15, the parable of the prodigal son, Luke 15. Uh, If you've been around church, you probably have heard this story a number of times. I'm going to read it out, or at least some of it. Jesus tells this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, the younger son packed up all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. So you see this this younger son rejects the father and thinks that he can fulfill his own deepest desires himself, whether it be through relationships, money, pleasure, etc., etc. But this younger son... If you know the story, he finds out it doesn't satisfy. He comes back uh, to everyone's surprise. The father accepts him back, runs to him, welcomes him with open arms. But then this older brother is looking on and he loses it. We see at the end of the story, meanwhile, verse 25, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of his servants what was going on. The brother is back. Your brother is back, he told them. And your father has killed the fattened calf. And we're celebrating because of his safe return. But the older brother became angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've been slaving for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never even gave me a young goat for a feast with my friends. And yet this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. 
And so on one hand, this younger brother thinks he can save himself. He thinks if he, if he goes out, he rejects the father, he rejects everything that he's been taught or grown up with and runs the other direction. And you know what? This, this story is showing us two ways in which people reject God. On one hand, people run away from God, run away from church, run away from the rules and the morality, and they think they can satisfy their deep desires themselves. But then on the other hand, we have the older brother. Now, people who are like the older brother can be very proximate. They, they, they're in close contact with the father, right? They're still with the father. And yet, just like the younger brother, the older brother thinks that he can get what he wants from the father. It's not about the father. It's, it's about getting what he wants. That if I obey, if I work hard enough, then the father has to bless me. And I think people can be exactly the same. If I, if I do enough, if I'm good enough, then God has to bless me. But both the younger brother and the older brother are two ways of rejecting God. But according to the gospel, we're not saved by religion or irreligion. But we're not saved by morality or immorality. No, there's a third way. The third way is that grace. It's that I cannot save myself. I'm more wicked than I ever dared believe. That I cannot satisfy my deepest desires. The younger brother tried to satisfy it through relationships, etc., and, and, and the older brother tries to satisfy his deepest desires by being good enough, so the father has to bless him. But both cannot satisfy themselves. The gospel tells us, I'm more wicked than I ever dared imagine, and yet I'm more loved than I ever dared dream. The gospel tells us that I can have a restored relationship with God, but it's not based on my performance, it's on Christ's performance. It's not based on what I do, but it's on what Christ does. Now, how do I tell if I'm a religious person or if I believe the gospel? And when something goes wrong in our life, when things are going well, when things are going well in our lives, a religious person will be proud. I, I, I earned this. I deserve this. Whereas a, a, someone who believes the gospel will say, it's a gift. It's a gift. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve anything. It's a gift. And when things go terrible and we're, we're struggling... Someone who is religious will be crushed. Either they'll think they, they weren't good enough and, and God is punishing them, or they'll think, they'll cry out in anger, in anger to God, why is this happening? Why, why I've been good, God. I've, I've done all the right things. I've obeyed you. Why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. But someone who believes the gospel will say, no, I, I'm still going to hurt. I'm still going to grieve. I'm still going to struggle. But my identity is not in what I've done, what happens to me. My identity is fixed in something that cannot be shaken. And because of that, I, I'm, I'm still going to struggle, but I'm, it doesn't define me. Why am I talking about this? If we're talking about the church, our new series is about the church, why am I telling you this? Well, for two reasons. Number one is that in many churches, people who believe the gospel and people who are religious sit alongside each other each and every Sunday. In fact, I think all of us, especially if you've been around church very long, will have a tendency, like I do, to be the older brother. We, we have a tendency to try and earn our way to God. And uh, in fact, uh, Tim Keller, a pastor and author, says this, dead churches, 
are ones in which there are more religious people than Christians, than, than people who believe the gospel. And alive churches are churches in which there's more people who believe the gospel than there are religious people. We sit alongside each other, and our job as a church is to keep reminding us of the gospel. Now, the other thing is that the average person in our community, when you say, come to church, is automatically going to assume that you mean to become an older brother. To, become, to come and go, okay, if I'm good enough, if I follow this set of rules, then God will bless me. Then God will accept me. Most people in our community will think if we invite them to church, they're calling us, we're calling them to be an older brother. No. <laughs> no. We're called to be people that so live and breathe the gospel so that when people hear us, they don't hear, I obey, therefore I'm a good person. They hear, I am so unconditionally accepted in Christ, therefore I'm a changed person and I want to obey. Do you see the difference between religion and the gospel? On one hand, I obey, I do the right things, therefore God accepts me. But the gospel says, I'm unconditionally accepted because of what Christ has done. Therefore, I obey. And if that means, the second reason that, that means we need to talk about this is that we need to start with this when we talk about church. If, if, we, if we don't start with the gospel when we talk about church, any talk about how we can be a better church will automatically make us worse older brothers. I've got to try harder. We've got to do better. We've got to reach more people. No, we start with the gospel that I am unconditionally, I'm, I'm accepted because Christ was broken so that I could be accepted. That Christ was torn apart so that I could be made whole. So that Christ was broken so that I could be healed. So that Christ was cast out so that I can be brought into a new community. You with me? If that's where we start, that becomes the basis by which we do church. Otherwise, we start with, with religion and we become worse older brothers and it will crush us. So we need to start with the gospel. Now, the title of my message today is The Church. Next slide, please. Thank you. The church is a movement, not a museum. Uh, and we, when we keep the gospel in mind, I want to look, spend three weeks looking at what it means to be the church. And this week, we're looking at the church is a movement, not a museum, and in particular, we're a movement of people moving in three directions, towards God, towards each other, and towards our community. Towards a God, towards each other, towards our community. Now, I was sharing earlier, uh, I think it was last week, with Pastor David about what I'd be talking with you this today, and he, he had this quote that stood out to me. I love it. He said, the church should not be a place, should never be a place where we come to look at artifacts from the past. It should never be a place where we look at our past relationship with God, the way people used to engage with God. The church should be a place where we're moving into more of God. We're moving forward. Why? Because Jesus sent us out. Jesus sent us out with a resurrection message. He called us, in, in, uh, I think it's in 1 Peter, He called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. There's a movement. We cannot stay the way things were. So, firstly, we're called to be a movement of people towards God. If, if we're a community that's patterned after Jesus, then, then we have to, to pattern our, our relationship with God 
like Jesus did. And Jesus had a deep relationship with the Father and with the Spirit. Uh, we, we see in the Old Testament, the community of God was, was patterned after deep relationship with God. We see Psalm 42. The psalmist David writes this. He says, I, My soul thirsts for God, just as the deer pants for water, so I pant for God. We're, we're longing, a community longing for God. We see this in the early church. They, they were a community that, that, that gathered together and they met and they prayed with each other. It was deep. And we see this at the end point of church in Revelation. If you remember our Revelation series, Revelation 4, the end goal of church is what? Worship. We're called to be a community moving towards God, moving towards deep relationship. And so we can be just like the church in Revelation, declaring you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. That's who we're called to be. Now, if that's who we are, my question for you is this. If you've been here for a while, think back a year ago when you were in church this time last year. Is your relationship with God any deeper now than it was then? Is your worship any deeper now than it was then? Is the way you lean into the Word of God deeper now than it was then? We're called to be moving towards God. So secondly, if we believe the gospel... We're called to be a people moving towards each other. Once again, uh, we're patterned after Jesus, and we see from the very beginning of Jesus entering the story, before creation, there's community. The Trinity has this fundamental community. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Father. It's this reciprocal community. We love, the Father loves the Son, and it's, it's, it's mutual. Are we a community that loves like the Trinity loves. That's what we're called to. Uh, we see Jesus calling us to this. John 13, Jesus gathered a community of disciples and he said to them, John 13, by this everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. We see it in the early church, once again, that, that the community wasn't just Sunday surface level conversations. I think you could call that thin community where um, we just, hi, how are you going? Great to see you. But then that's it until Sunday. No, we're called to thick community. One where we're watching out for one another. Where we're supporting one another. Contacting each other in the week. How are you going? Sharing meals with one another. Loving each other. Serving each other. Because Christ has served us. If we believe the gospel, my question for you is this. Looking back a year ago, are your relationships in this church deeper than they were a year ago? Uh, and I don't just mean just serving, because I know a lot of us serve in church, but are we loving each other deeper than we were a year ago? Are, are our relationships thick or thin? And finally, if we've been changed by what Jesus has done for us, we're called to be a movement of people moving towards our community. So it starts with we're moving towards God. We want deep relationship with Him. The second thing is we're moving towards each other. We want intimate community with each other. And thirdly, we're called to be sent out, moving towards Korowa. Uh, I loved the series that we've just spent, meaning what does it take for us to walk across the room, to share our faith? And, excuse me, it was great that we need to be people like that. Ephesians 6 said our feet need to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel. 
We need to, to be ready to share our faith. But I think as a church, we're called to more than that. Not just to be a community of people that, that, that talk about Jesus, but we're, we're called to be a movement of people that are so moving towards our community that the way we love our neighbor reflects Jesus. We need to be a, a, a movement of people that can, can so say, I serve the needs of everyone in the city, whether Christian or atheist, whether gay or straight, whether Hindu or Muslim. I serve the needs of everyone in the city. We need to love people so well that people will, in our community who aren't involved with church will look up and take notice and say, just like it said of, of Peter and John in Acts 4, they were astonished and they took note that these people had been with Jesus. Can that be said of us? May we love people so well that whenever people see us, they see something of Jesus in us. And I think that's a challenge. It certainly is for me. I think it is for all of us. And so finishing up, my prayer for you is this, that you, wherever you're coming from, I don't know the week that you've just had, but may you know the gospel, the gospel that I'm not accepted because of what I do, but on what Christ has done. And if that's the case, may I encourage you, we're called to be a community of people moving towards God. Let's move deeper in worship, deeper in our relationship with God. Let's be a community of people moving towards each other. Take steps to, to love people in our community, to contact people, share meals with people. And we're called to be a people moving towards serving our neighbors in the city of Korowa. And I believe that when we do that, God changes us as people, makes us look more like Jesus. And through the Holy Spirit, he can do incredible things in Korowa. So let me pray. Father, you have done something amazing in Jesus. You gave your son that I could be accepted. Jesus was broken so that I could be brought in. Lord, may we not just be religious older brother types, the type that will come to, to do things, come to church every Sunday just to, to be good enough, just to feel like, God will accept us because of this. No, Lord, may we be people that are so defined by the gospel. I am radically and unconditionally accepted because of Christ. And Lord, when we see that, may that change us into a church that is moving towards you, moving towards each other, and moving towards our community. We can't do this without your help. Holy Spirit, would you change us? Bring revival in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.